1: Now for our story. It was just before closing time at the Wakefield Trust and Savings Bank. David Bowman glanced through the letters placed on the desk for his signature, handed them over, and tucked his fountain pen back in his vest pocket. Glancing toward the entrance casually, he saw a tall girl with fluffy blonde hair come through the swinging glass doors. David noticed that his heart beat a little faster. Mentally, he deplored this fact. Telling himself again, as he had many times before, that he was old enough to be Lily Devon's father. For it was Lily, wearing a becoming blue suit with an over the shoulder bag swinging carelessly, who came toward him with a bright smile.
0: Good afternoon, David. Lily.
2: Hello, my dear. Well, come on through the gate and sit down. Okay. Nice of you to drop in and see me, Lily. Been quite a while, hasn't it?
0: It sure has. Too long. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, how's business at the supper club? Keeping you busy, I imagine.
0: Oh, yes, it's taken on like a house of fire. We had a few slow days, but all in all, I think we'll be okay.
2: I imagine the youngsters are enjoying themselves. Oh,
0: gosh, I'll say they are, David. They're a lot of fun, too.
2: (laughs) Yes, and terrifying. They're so wise. I'll never forget Peggy Douglas at that age. She was as cute as a bug's ear.
0: I imagine she was. Still is, for that matter.
2: Oh, yes. But Peggy's certainly grown up a lot this last year.
0: (laughs) Pretty soon she'll be a young matron, won't she? Don't she and Bill plan to be married pretty soon now?
2: Well, not right away. Bill wants to get him a house built
0: first. Well, maybe he's right to wait until everything's set, but... I don't know. If I were in love the way those two are, I'm not sure I'd be so patient.
2: Well, there's a lot to be said both ways, I suppose.
0: Yeah... Anyway, they must know what they're doing. Well, how's the rest of the Lane clan? Haven't seen much of anyone lately.
2: Oh, I saw Mary... When was it? uh, Yesterday, I think.
0: She never changes, does she? (laughs) I've never known a woman with such an even disposition.
2: Mary's a rare person.
0: Hmm.
2: Well, Lily, I wish we could get together soon for one of those nice little dinners. I've wanted to call you, but I've had several rather urgent things on my mind, and... Then I didn't want to monopolize your time.
0: Monopolize it?
2: Oh, David. Well, there's plenty of young men around who'd make much more interesting dinner partner for you.
0: Why don't you let me decide that?
2: <laughs> I wish we could go somewhere this afternoon just for a cup of coffee and a little talk. But unfortunately, I have to go over to Huntsville. In fact, I should be leaving right now. But look,
0: mind if I drive over with you?
2: this afternoon.
0: Oh, if I'd be in the way just say so. Oh,
2: it, it's not that. I'd love to have Lily. But I'm afraid it might be rather dull for you. You see, I have an appointment with the district attorney.
0: George Craig? I've heard about him.
2: I've known Gerald for years and his father before him.
0: Oh, I've heard he's a square shooter. You know, he has quite a reputation for being strictly on the level.
2: That's right. <laughs> How did you find that out? <laughs>
0: Ah, uh, surprising how many things you pick up about people when you're running a nightclub.
2: <laughs> well, maybe you should work up an arrange with Georgie Stewart. He runs the society column in the Sentinel, you know.
0: Georgie? I should say I do know him. He pesters me all the time for any hot tips I may have. <laughs> I think he considers himself a successor to Walter Winchester or something.
2: <laughs> That's just about it. Well, Lily, if you really care to drive over with Honest, me. Honest,
0: I'd like to. Fine.
2: Then let's get started, shall we? This is quite a treat for me, Lily. Having a beautiful young woman for a passenger.
0: Are you really glad I came? Very. Oh, that's good. Because I wanted to see you very much. Why,
2: Lily, that makes me very happy.
0: Well, you see, David, I... Oh, I, I... I've heard something about what's been going on. You know, about your nieces being ill and all that.
2: We've had quite a time of it, Lily. But I'm hoping we can get her back on her feet.
0: I hope so, too, David. You mustn't let it get you down, though. I mean, well, you look kind of tired.
2: I am, rather. But that's just temporary.
0: Well, you see, you've been so nice to me and everything when I first came here, trying to get the place started. I don't know what I'd have done without having your shoulder to weep on.
2: (laughs) You didn't do much weeping, my dear.
0: (laughs) Seems to me I was always moaning about something. Anyway, I... I figured... You might be having sort of tough sledding about now yourself. So I... I wanted to offer you my shoulder. (laughs) It may not be so broad as yours, but it's better than nothing.
2: Lily, that's the nicest thing anyone ever said to me.
0: Oh, darn it, David, you're the sort of guy who's always thinking about other people. That's why I appointed myself a committee of one to do a little thinking about David Bowman.
2: You mustn't get the idea that I'm anything but a very ordinary old duffer, my dear. Really, I'm not.
0: That's just one man's opinion, you know.
2: Perhaps. But you see, it's the opinion of a man who knows me better than anyone else does.
0: You know, I'm not so sure about that. Sometimes I think other people know more about a person than he could know about himself.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, in any case, I'm very flattered that you have a fairly good opinion of me, whether I deserve it or not. I only wish I could have as much weight with Gerald Craig this afternoon. And speaking of the district attorney, here we are in Huntsville already. What are you going to do while I'm in Craig's office?
0: Oh, don't worry about me, David. I'll find some way to kill time.
2: All right, my dear. I don't imagine I'll be very long. Glad to see you, David. Thanks, Gerald. I don't get over here very frequently or I drop in more often. You're looking well. Oh, I've put on a little weight the last few months. Trying to get rid of it, though. Don't want to get that businessman spread, you know. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing for it? Oh, golf, mostly. I'll try anything before I'll diet. I don't blame you. Well, Gerald, I imagine you've guessed why I wanted to talk to you. Frankly, David, I believe I have. About this perjury indictment, isn't it? Yes, it is. The whole thing is, Gerald... My niece is seriously ill. You know I've put her in the sanitarium over here. Dr. Larrabee's looking after her. Yes, I talked to Larrabee yesterday. Seems to be quite a pleasant chap. He is, and a fine doctor. I imagine he explained to you then how serious her case is? The fact that any sort of disturbance just now, any tension might set her back? Yes. Yes, he explained most emphatically. Then just how do you stand on it since you talked to him? I'm sorry to tell you this, David. I know you're fond of the girl and all that. But unfortunately, my feeling in the matter hasn't altered. I see. You've got to see my angle on this, David. Or better think of yourself in a similar situation. Suppose you found it necessary in a business way to foreclose on someone who had defaulted in his payments. You might feel sorry for the fellow personally... But you've still got your business to run, your stockholders' interest to consider, haven't you? Yes, that's true enough, but that's another story. Oh, it isn't really. Now, my situation is simply this. I was elected a district attorney of this county, and the people who elected me expect me to do a good job of it. To pro- protect their interests, if you will. Well, certainly, Gerald. And you always have. Well, I try to do my best, at least. And so far as your niece is concerned... You know yourself she's as guilty as, as anyone could be. There's no question she perjured herself. No, I'm afraid there isn't. But look here, Joe. Surely you don't imagine I suggest that you drop the charges. Oh, not exactly. But you're a powerful man in this community. So is Miss Calvert's father. But so far as I'm concerned, she might as well be Susie Smith from across the tracks. All I know is that she's guilty... It must be prosecuted. It's not that I'm trying to protect it or to spare her from being punished. The only thing I did want to ask was that you'd consider postponing action on it. That is, until Larrabee is able to pull her through this mental breakdown she's having. (sighs) Sorry, old man. So far as the law is concerned, a mental breakdown is a very ambiguous state of health. We'd have to know a whole lot more about it. And in this case, I doubt very much if we'd alter our decision. Then the answer is no. Yes, David. I'm afraid it is.
1: Listening to the district attorney's firm refusal, David Bowman kept remembering the doctor's words. Freedom from tension, from disturbance, he'd said. If she didn't have those conditions, he could make no promise as to Kit's eventual recovery. And now it seems she was not to be given time to recover. And David thought regretfully of the hopes he'd had for Kit. The hope he'd shared with Aunt Mary that out of this experience and suffering, Kit might be recreated in a sense. Perhaps become the fine person David believed she could be.